This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday to you. Happy to be on ESPN Des Moines. What's up? I'm I'm Mike Wicket. Kara is on the other side. And, you know, this is really going to surprise you. Got a lot of football to talk about. (laughs) I know... (laughs) That if you are tuning in and you're like, what is Wicked going to talk about today? If you're streaming us on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, hello. Um, yeah, we're talking a lot about a lot of football here today. All right, and let's see here. I could, I got the Big Five to get to for sure. The Big Five uh, football fan bases here in the Des Moines area. You got the Packers fans. You got the Chiefs fans. A lot of Vikings fans, especially north of us, as we get closer to that. Uh, purple border up there. Cowboys are in there and the Chicago Bears. All right. Before we get to any of that, uh, I have a very controversial tweet. I didn't realize it was going to be this hot button that I put out. If you follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket, I also posted the uh, the comment on Facebook that after watching the preseason and listening to Packers head coach Matt LaFleur and Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, and I often play the game of what else are they supposed to say? Like, I often do that. You know, you you, you always see stories like quarterback B says, I really think I'm getting ready to play my my best football. What else are they supposed to say? What, you know, what's the quarterback going to say? Like, what's Josh Allen going to say? Well, I just hope I don't suck. You know, like, it's, that's, he's not allowed to say, he's not really going to say that. So I realize that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are going to say the nicest things they can, the best things they can like anybody else. But I'm also going to take them at at their word for a bit as well. I'm going to read you a quote from Aaron Rodgers who said that he thinks that, quote, Jordan Love has definitely become a master of this offense. Now, I'm not going to tell you that Jordan Love played particularly awesome. And you can lock it down as the next great quarterback in the history of the Green Bay Packers. And if you're a Viking fan or if you're a Bears fan, you're like, how in the world did they do this again? No, that's not what I'm saying, all right? I'm not going to say that. But my controversial tweet that apparently has split the sports world with hundreds of comments coming in on it. Follow me, at Mike Wicked. And I do believe it. I'm not just saying it to get... A reaction. I do believe this. If Aaron Rodgers retired today, if he woke up this morning and said, nope, I'm done. I'm out. I don't want to do this. I was kidding. I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriend, Blue of whatever her name is, the woman who's who potentially it could be a witch. I'm going to go by my Blue of Ivy or whatever her name is. We're going to head down to Peru and we're just going to do ayahuasca all day. Fine. That's your call, Aaron. I don't want it to happen. I absolutely do not want that to happen uh, because I have my dream. My dream scenario is this, is that Aaron Rodgers, and I'll get to my tweet, but Aaron Rodgers and the Packers win the Super Bowl. He goes out like John Elway, and then Love takes over, and and we find out if he's the next the next in the three-legged, you know, Favre, Rodgers, whoever is after that. Odds are he's not going to be as good as Favre. He's not going to be as good as Rodgers. But I firmly believe this. Should Aaron Rodgers wake up this morning and want to retire? 
and not play week one against Minnesota and the remaining 16 games. Still not used to that. I believe the Green Bay Packers under Jordan Love would still win the NFC North. I don't believe they would win the North by seven games because there are a lot of people who are just blown away by that. Because I thought I thought Jordan Love played fine in the, in the preseason. Oh, he's wicked. He's playing against guys who are going to be selling cars next week. He's also throwing to guys who might be selling cars next week and running for his life behind an offensive line of guys who might be running for his for their uh, or sorry selling cars next week. That could happen. I thought Aaron Rodgers backup Jordan Love played just fine. I don't particularly worry about the Minnesota Vikings. The Bears might be the worst team in the NFL. The Lions. Everybody's talking about this improvement from the Lions. No, I. I don't. Um, I don't. I don't particularly believe in the Detroit Lions, but I'm telling you right now, if the Packers with that defense and that quarterback and those running backs, the Packers are good enough with Love to win the North this year. I don't think they dominate the North like they have under Rodgers and Favre. I don't know if there's a lot coming that I'm worried about in this division. You have to have wonderful quarterback play to succeed in the National Football League, and I don't think the Lions have it in golf. Now, maybe they look at the very quarterback-heavy draft in 2023. I think the Chicago Bears are doing absolutely nothing to help Justin Fields. I think, and I heard this conversation. I think it's a little bit ridiculous, but I heard this conversation. If Fields sucks this year, if he's not very good, Do the Bears even, I mean, this to me was, it's ludicrous, but I want to talk it out. Would they move on from love after two or from uh, fields after two years? I can, I, I, I honestly don't believe they would, but we know how things go in the NFL these days. It's not like it was when I was growing up and watching in the, in the eighties and the nineties where you got two in three years. Absolutely not. You know, you won't do that anymore. Now you got to be good if they draft you high. If you're a top 10 pick, you better be good when given the opportunity, even if they don't put anything around you. And the Bears have done nothing to help that guy out. Not at all. All right? So for me to to sit there and, and watch and look at, The Chicago Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, I had uh, Phil Mackey on. Phil Mackey joined me from Score North. I think somebody just pointed out I got an echo. Hey, Mitchell, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Gary, thank you very much. Somebody pointed out I got I had two microphones open. You're great. Thank you. You rock. I think that fixed it. So back to my point. I think going forward, if it, if in fact, you know, Jordan Love were to be the man, and I don't think he is, and I don't want him to be. I want Aaron Rodgers to be the man. I want the best thrower of the football in the history of the National Football League to be my quarterback. That's what I want, all right? But if it were to happen, I watch some of these throws that Jordan Love made. I watch some of these incomplete, even incompletions were some of the more incredible throws that love made. And you're like, wicked, they were incomplete. Yeah, but it's it's watching his athletic ability and the raw arm talent 
that Green Bay drafted him on out of Nevada. That, to me, is what might, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that what that be might be what puts Love at that next level of quarterback if he's given the opportunity. You know, he didn't look terrible after the second half in the Chiefs game a year ago. Didn't play great when given the opportunity in the Lions game. But I'm telling you, if, if you go back to the same commentary 18 years ago, 15 years ago, if you go back to the same time when Brett Favre was done and this kid out of Cali, this kid from California that everybody passed on fell into Green Bay's lap. If you are going to tell me that you weren't saying the same stuff about Rodgers, you're lying. Because Rodgers didn't look great in those preseason games, in those first couple of years with the limited time that he got. It wasn't until that Cowboys game, Packers fans, you remember when Brett got hurt. When Brett got hurt and Rodgers came in, and that's when you're like, okay, maybe this kid can play. Maybe he can play. Now, Love hasn't had that game that Rodgers had. Absolutely not. No, he has not. But I'll tell you what I think the biggest difference is, too, when you're looking at Jordan Love in year three. And I think by most experts' account, fans are one thing. Fans, you know, they want to call the pick trash. They want Gudekins to admit it was the wrong pick. And I believe if Brian Gudekins could go back in time, he would take Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins. I know people really wanted Patrick Queen. But I think if Roger, if, if Goot could go back, he would do it differently. I don't think there's anybody out there that believes otherwise. Especially with how good Jefferson has played. But that being said, I don't remember, I'm sorry, I remember a guy who was the quarterback coach for Aaron Rodgers. He was there when Rodgers got there. He was there, I think, from, in 05 was his first year. And that's Tom Clements. You know who was brought back in the fold this offseason? Tom Clements was brought back in the fold this off, this offseason. And everybody thought, with Hackett and Gat and Getze going to the Bears and to the, uh, the Denver Broncos, was it Aaron Rodgers who made the call to bring Tom Clements back? For Aaron Rodgers? Or did Rodgers and company bring him back to develop Jordan Love? Because for years, if you're a Packers fan, all you ever heard about was, well, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, the quarterback whisperer, the quarterback guru. Maybe we were all wrong about that. I mean, it's not like Mike McCarthy has developed Dak Prescott into a great quarterback over there. Dak's a good quarterback. Cowboys fan, I'm going to get to you later. Don't worry, you're on my big five schedule today, I promise. I got a lot to say. Big, Bad week for Cowboys fan, and I'm not trying to poke fun. Well, I will, but not at this moment. But maybe, just maybe, somebody made a phone call to Tom Clements and said, we know that you helped Aaron Rodgers develop. Now, Rodgers' talent and brain obviously also helped Rodgers develop. But Tom Clements was there, and you watched Rodgers in three years go from a terrible quarterback into whatever he is now. Now, you have to credit Rodgers, obviously, and you and you might want to look at Tom Clements, who was brought back in this offseason, and look at last year to this year, where Jordan Love is at. Some of that's Lafleur, Some of that might just be on Love. Some of that might be on Tom Clements. 
But it is a really interesting topic to bring up if you're a Packers fan, that the guy who was around during the three years of Rodgers' development, who has been gone up until this offseason, being Tom Clements, and again, not by fans' account, not by the haters' account, all right? But by every expert, every analyst, everybody who watches the All-22 and watches film, love's gotten better. Now, he's not Aaron Rodgers. You know, I just saw a comment from Terry who said, thank God we have Aaron Rodgers. Well, yeah, if you're a Packers fan, thank God you have Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Love wins a Super Bowl this year. I think if you want to win a Super Bowl, you have the greatest thrower of the football of all time under center as long as you can. That's not even close. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you right now, what I have seen out of Jordan Love, it is the number one storyline coming out of the preseason for me. Because the Packers are done. They went one and two. They lost to the Niners. They beat the Saints. They lost to the Chiefs. Packers are done. Now we got to wait like two and a half weeks for Packers football. It sucks. Um, but the number one storyline coming out of camp, to me, has been the improvement of Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs. And for sure, Dobbs. Dobbs, Dobbs. I don't know how to say his name. I've heard it both ways. I heard Nevada play-by-play call him Dubs. My neighbor's yelling at me saying it's Dobbs. I, whatever. He said you can call them both. I'm not sure what the right answer is. But I'm intrigued by what I saw out of love. Still very intrigued what I saw out of love. Now, I don't want him to play. All right? Not unless he absolutely has to. <laughs> so don't get don't get anything twisted, internet. Then you go on Twitter. Wicket wants love over Rodgers. No, he doesn't. No, he does not. All right? Make sure you know that. Because... I like, like I said, dream scenario. Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, goes off John Elway style, clean break. Everybody's happy. He can go with blue of Ivy. Can you, Kira? Can you find out? Is I'm, and I'm not meaning this in an offensive way. She there are there's a rumor she's a witch, an actual witch. A witch. An actual witch, Kira. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he can take blue of. I think it's blue of Ivy. Is that right? Internet, tell me. Facebook, tell me. Kira's going to look. Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend, Blue. I mean, he's gone. Dude started, uh, I don't know much about Blue of Ivy. Oh. But I do know that Aaron Rodgers put together a resume that, you know, starting to look like Derek Jeter's resume. <laughs> okay? So that was the big thing I took after after watching three games in the preseason. Obviously, Dubs, Stud. Obviously, love improvement. And the other thing, and if you're here listening to me on 1021 FM or 1350 here on ESPN Des Moines in Iowa, how about Tyler Bleepin Goodson? That dude needs to be on, a, on an NFL roster. And I, for one, sure as heck hope it is on a Green Bay roster. That's your RB3. That is your running back three right there. Right behind Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I'm rocking my A.J. Dillon hoodie today. But I was a big fan of Tyler Goodson over in the, in the preseason. I loved watching that guy. Kara, what do we got? Blue of Earth. Blue of Earth, not Blue of Ivy. You're thinking of Blue Ivy, who's who's like... Is that uh, Jay-Z's kid? Yeah. Okay. Jay-Z's yep. kid is Blue Ivy. Blue of Earth is Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend, who has denied the rumors that she is a witch. Which, by the way, is exactly what a witch would say. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's what I was... If, if someone accused, if I was a vampire and someone accused me of being a vampire, what's the first thing I would say? 
No, I'm not. I'm not a vampire. No. What else would a witch this say to throw you off? Tomato juice. Yeah. What else would a witch say to throw you off the scent? <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I am going to get to more football, not just the Green Bay Packers, although I did want to talk about uh, my controversial tweet. If you want to follow me at Mike Wicket, you can, and you can either roast or agree with it. I just hope we're not all angry with it. You know, like I said, I want love to be on the bench for all of 2022. That means Rodgers is playing and playing well and healthy. That's what we all, that's what we want. What's up to Brant? What's up to James? What's up to Gary? What's up to Ben, who completely disagrees with my take on love? What's up to Sean? Thanks for uh, checking us out on the Facebook page. Coming up, bad week for for Cowboys fans. And I do mean this in sincerity. I I do feel bad like this much, like a little bit bad for Cowboys fans. But aren't they used to this? That's next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What's up? Happy Friday. It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket, 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Thanks for watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. To everybody who is watching, hello and a happy Friday. Uh, we got Cubs baseball tonight. I don't know who they're playing. I have no idea who they're playing. I probably should look at the schedule. Kara, it doesn't matter. Coming up, uh, I will get to... See, here in Des Moines, as you know, if you are listening to us, you know there are five big fan bases uh, in the National Football League. Vikings, Packers, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Bears. And I will get to the biggest storyline of the offseason for each and how it looks now as we're going into the final week of the preseason. Or if you're the Green Bay Packers or the the Chiefs, your preseason is over. But horrible news for the Cowboys, which actually, it actually may shape part of the NFC. Now, I I take as many shots as I can at the, the Dallas Cowboys. I think Mike McCarthy is not a very good football coach. Um... I think he rode Aaron Rodgers' coattails to a Super Bowl. But he's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys, I would say, were a contender. And there was a promo run-in for this show where you look at the Cowboys' schedule, and I think it was before the A.J. Brown trade. But as bad as that division is, you have to have a division winner. And I think the winner in the NFC East was going to be the Dallas Cowboys by default. And they were going to lose their three toughest games. The Buccaneers, the Packers are on there, and there's somebody else. Maybe it's the Chiefs. I don't remember. Somebody else on that schedule. But you start to look at what wins football games. You need great quarterback play. All right. By the way, Cubs and Brewers coming up tonight. Write that down. Cubs and Brewers coming up tonight here on ESPN Des Moines. Oh, I got to do this. Have you... I'll remind me to play the Pat Hughes audio. We got to get to some Pat Hughes audio. If you're a Cubs fan, you're going to love this. Um, so anyway, you certain things you need in the National Football League to win. A, you cannot win without great quarterback play. All right? Joe Flacco's not winning you a title in 2022. All right? Just not happening. I know we had one back then, but in today's game, you need to have a dynamic quarterback who can make plays and throw out all different kinds of arm angles and get out on the run. But you got to be able to keep that guy upright. And that's why the Bengals didn't win the Super Bowl last year. 
because their offensive line was absolutely terrible. And Aaron Donald in the fourth quarter wreaked havoc on Joe Burrow because that Bengals offensive line was so bad. And so you look at the Dallas Cowboys and you try to figure out what, okay, their quarterback. Is Dak a dynamic quarterback? Is Dak an elite quarterback who can win football games on his own? Is he Rodgers, Mahomes? Is he Burrow, Stafford? Is he Josh Allen? I don't know. I, he's in that second, t- second 10, and I hate rankings, but I'm not putting Dak in the top 10 yet. I've seen him throw for 500 yards in games before. I've seen him be a great leader. Cowboy fan loves Dak Prescott, all right? And that's fine. I just don't put him in. I don't think Dak's going to compete for an MVP anytime soon. That, to me, is how you determine who are the elite of the elite, the MVPs. Who's the favorite to win the MVP this year? Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, right? That's it. But who's going to keep him upright? Now, for years, Dallas has been dealing with injuries to Teron Smith the big mammoth, maybe best tackle in the National Football League. But we found out this week that 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 Tyron Smith, who, by the way, hasn't played a full season in seven years, has a hamstring injury, and it's a major hamstring injury. And when you are 350 pounds or whatever Tyron Smith weighs, a major hamstring injury is not going to go away anytime soon. Anytime you start getting banged up the way Smith has over the last half decade, It doesn't bode well for your recovery time, your ability to bounce back, your time perhaps left in the National Football League. Packers fans are wondering about David Bakhtiari's knee and if he'll ever actually be back to being the great David Bakhtiari. But I digress. So Tyron Smith out. That news broke a couple of days ago, which I believe will really, really set Dallas back. You know, the Amari Cooper story, I think, is huge, too. Um, What Zeke are we going to get? Sure. But when you lose, you're all pro. And I mean all, I mean, the dude missed time last year and still made the Pro Bowl. The all pro left tackle. I I may have to switch up my prediction and maybe they don't go 13 or 14 and three. Maybe they aren't the runaway winner in the East. You got to love Jalen Hurts getting, you know, A.J. Brown in that draft day trade from the Titans. So what does this mean for Dallas? Well, you got... I can't stand Jerry Jones, all right? If you're a Cowboys fan, you're a big Jerry Jones guy. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But you got to respect Jerry trying to spin it. It's a setback, but anybody will tell you one of the things about this game, for the best and really for the opportunity of the unproven, is that, boy, you've got to take what you dealt and go on with it. We've got some good options here. We've got a team around him. We've got a defense that's uh, probably as strong as we've had in a lot of years. So we've got a lot of ways not to make up for not having him, but to go on without him. They drafted a kid out of Tulsa really, really high. You're going to hear more about this other kid, last name Smith as well. If you think you are replacing the great Tyron Smith with a rookie out of Tulsa, mm. love to rush against your team. Here's uh, ESPN's Courtney Cronin on the impact of losing Tyron Smith. You have to think about what he means to this offense. It's an offense that has a young offensive line with a lot of inexperienced players. Like, there's a reason that they drafted Tyler Smith 
earlier this offseason because eventually they thought that that could be Tyron Smith's replacement. And on top of that, too, I mean, they've lost receivers to free agency, to injury. Like, all of this stuff is coming out and just, like, mounting on top of each other for the Dallas Cowboys, who this entire time said, it's fine, we will be fine, we still think that we're going to win the East. An injury like this, and just the catastrophic nature of what it means for the offensive line, which got a lot of criticism last year in Dallas, not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. We love wide receivers and running backs and think that when a, a wideout gets injured, oh, they're irreplaceable, or a wideout leaves, oh, they're irreplaceable. I mean, ask, look at the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill. How can they possibly let him go? They're still favored to win the division and compete for a title. The Packers lose Devontae Adams. Say what you want about the core they've got behind him, and we'll see. They're still favored to win the North. And one of the, th- I think I saw Pro Football Focus had given them the third best odds to win the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I mean, receivers are what they are. But when you lose a left tackle, when you lose a an all-pro left tackle, it affects everything. Now, Dak Prescott has to get rid of the ball quicker. Maybe he's going to be hit more. Your quarterback getting hit more is not good, especially when, I don't mean, is Cooper Rush still the backup quarterback there in Dallas? I don't even know who the backup is in Dallas. So this is not big, just, you know, oh, the name you know is hurt or me trying to blow smoke. This is really, really big. Just ask ESPN Dallas' reporter Todd Archer. Well, you look at what these guys don't have when Tyron Smith is out. Zeke Elliott, yards per carry goes down by half. The sack total increases by more than 50%. So you're talking about a guy that, as much as he's been hurt, has still been an effective player, still was named to the Pro Bowl last season, even with missing as many games as he did. This greatly impacts the Cowboys because of the how untested they are. But remember, I, I think this is an offense that was going to evolve and go back to that running game. How do you protect young offensive linemen? You run the ball. You feel good about Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard? You better feel really good about him and Dak Prescott better be able to get the ball away quickly when he's going to have to throw the ball. Anybody else worrying about Zeke Elliott at this point? Like you, you know, Zeke was almost unstartable in fantasy football last year at some point. I mean, you fantasy player, if you're a fantasy player, you know there was a time when you're like, do I even start Zeke Elliott? I spent the ninth pick on him or wherever you took him in your draft. Like he's a guy I don't want in fantasy football until I actually believe and can see that we get Zeke from two, three years ago. Last year, Zeke was terrible. Tony Pollard was nipping at his heels. It's a good one-two combo. You know, if if, if you want to see a shared backfield, then it's not a bad backfield by, by any stretch. But I have a hard time believing. And this is why I say I don't necessarily agree with Todd Archer there. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I watched Mike McCarthy. I watched Mike McCarthy call an offense when he had a really good quarterback and, and well, Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers. And I saw Mike McCarthy with two really good quarterbacks. You know what he never, ever, ever did? Relied on the running game. And he had some running backs who had some good years. Eddie Lacy, Ryan Grant, some good running backs. He had Amon Green. He had some good, good running backs in there. I have a hard time believing that Mike McCarthy is going to go back to running the football with Zeke Elliott. Jason Campbell, maybe. The last guy who was the head coach, maybe. Current guy, mm -mm, not happening. Not happening whatsoever. So if you want to believe that the Cowboys are going to become a run-first team or a 50-50 team, 
I have some oceanfront property here in Des Moines that I want to sell you. All right. One more uh, about Teron Smith and the Cowboys, who is done for, I don't want to say the year, but again, when you have a 350-pound offensive lineman bust up a hamstring, that's not good for, for his future. But ESPN's Diana Rossini says the Cowboys are used to this. He hasn't played in a full season since 2015. You know, you're talking years now where they've had a healthy offensive line. We talk about it all the time. But I think the good news for the Dallas Cowboys, if you can call it good news, is they're accustomed to this. They drafted knowing that they've got to improve as their O-line getting older and they have dealt with so many injuries over the years. So I think the initial word on it makes you go, oh, no, like this is a disaster for the run game. This is a mess for Dak. How are they going to protect them? But then once you settle into it a little bit and start recognizing that, that they're going to be able to schematically find ways and also hope that these young rookies, you know, especially Tyler Smith, step in and are able to hold up. Better hope Kellen Moore is a genius that everybody seems to think that he is as the offensive coordinator there. Because I'll tell you who's not a genius. Mike McCarthy's not a genius. I, I mean, I have to imagine that of the coaches on the hot seat, the odds makers, when they try to figure out who's going to get fired first, and I don't have the odds in front of me, I got to imagine Mike McCarthy's name is right at the top. Because if they start out one and four or two and three, Jerry ain't going to have that. Mm-mm. No, no. It'll be Kellen Moore's job by the time the calendar flips to October. Coming up, the biggest question mark or storyline for the big five here in Des Moines, the NFL fan bases, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Vikings, the Cowboys, and the Bears. How are those storylines now as we're getting out of the preseason? Plus, if you're a Cubs fan, this is really, really cool. You're going to hear Pat Hughes in an emotional moment. We'll get to that coming up. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Happy Friday. Cubs and Brewers coming up tonight. We'll have that for you. Before I get to the NFL, can we play? Uh, so this is actually really neat. If you're a Cubs fan, and I've made no bones about it, I'm a Brewers fan, but if you're a Cubs fan and you've been listening to Pat Hughes call games for a while now, um, I've had Pat on my shows in my career. Very nice man. Last night or two nights ago, this is how Pat Hughes found out he was getting inducted into the Chicago Cubs Hall of Fame live on the air. So of the 14 that were inducted, uh, only two or that were considered, only two came in. Jose was one, and I'll let you talk about the, the other one that's going in, Pat. Here's a, here's a little bio on, on the other person who's going in. Can you read that there, partner? I think it says, this is me going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. The great yeah. Pat Hughes will be joining all of those legendary players and managers and broadcasters, as you just mentioned. I like it. I like when I'm sorry, I cut him off there. I apologize. But I like it when. When these guys like when Joe Buck found out he was going into the Hall of Fame or whatever, he was, you know, when these guys all find out live on the on TV or on the radio. I think it's really cool. I think it's great. Then they start to cry. <laughs> 
Yes. Show me the tears. Or when Jim Nance went in. I, I love all of that. I think it's great. All right. Getting back to the National Football League. Um, yeah, Cubs and Brewers coming up tonight. Pat and Ron. We will have the pregame at 6, 3, 6, 4, 6, sometime after 6 tonight. <laughs> sure. Up from, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm always calling it AmFam or uh, Miller Park, not AmFam Field, but it is what it is up in the Bruce City. So I've got the big five here in Des Moines to talk about, which is great. The Bears, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Vikings. Got fans all over. You see all the flags everywhere you go. And I wanted to start with a, a storyline coming into the into the offseason or one that budded, budded uh, here in the offseason. And then we're, we're kind of headed with that as we get to the kickoff of the regular season in two and a half weeks. Because we got some NFL games tonight, NFL games tomorrow. I assume there's some on Sunday. I don't even know. I haven't looked at the preseason schedule. So I want to start with the Chicago Bears. All right? With the Chicago Bears. The biggest storyline, I think, and it wasn't trading Khalil Mack to the Chargers, which, by the way, sets the Chargers up for a really, really potentially special year. A surprised Allen Robinson gone to the L.A. Rams. But if this is a true rebuild, you're not going to do anything with a 30-year-old wide receiver. All right? You're not going to do anything with a 30-year-old linebacker. Basically, that Khalil Mack trade did nothing. It did nothing for anybody. That's what the Khalil, the Khalil Mack trade didn't turn into any playoff wins for the Raiders, and the Khalil Mack trade didn't turn into any playoff wins for the Bears. When that trade went down, everybody was like, oh, here we go. Watch out, Rodgers. Bears are going to... No. <laughs> no. That trade was useless. But the biggest offseason storyline was obviously the hiring of Matt Eberflus as the new head coach of the Bears and bringing in a new GM to get rid of Ryan Pace. And so they've got the new GM, they got the new coach, and the question is, what are you going to do for your quarterback in Justin Fields? And I think Justin Fields had a very rough first year. I've seen nothing out of Justin Fields that makes me believe that he is the next king of the North. All right? He was banged up. But in Justin Fields' defense, they haven't done anything to help Justin Fields. They jettisoned the best receiver they got. Their offensive line is absolutely terrible. They got rid of Khalil Mack. They almost almost lost Roquan Smith here in the offseason, but that's been shelved until the you know next offseason. And I think the Bears are doing a disservice to their quarterback. Um, I'll get to their draft, which what in the world were the Bears thinking? But here's ESPN's Tim Hasselbeck. I don't think they have adequate personnel around him so you know I guess for that benchmark setting him up to fail seems kind of harsh but like do I feel as if you know they've done a lot to really set him up for success the way that that other guys you know are set up for success no I mean just you know compare him to somebody like Jalen Hurts like who's set up for more success uh if you're one of those quarterbacks and and I get that it takes time you can't do it overnight but um I, I do think it'll be hard to evaluate him based on the supporting cast that he has around. And if you are going to tell me you're going to take four offensive linemen in the NFL draft, I would applaud you. I think you should draft an offensive lineman at least one in the first three rounds of every NFL draft if you can. All right? Because offensive linemen literally run this league. I know some people are going to tell you it's wide receiver. Got to get real comfortable in this chair now. 
It's certainly not wide receiver. People are going to say it's running back. No, not in 2022. Quarterback is the most important position in sports, all right? NFL quarterback is the most important position in sports. But if you don't have a line that can keep that quarterback upright, you're not winning anything. Somehow the Bengals got to the Super Bowl with one of the worst offensive lines in football. They didn't win it. All that matters is winning, right? So if you'd have told me the Bears took four offensive linemen in the draft, it would have been like, good for the Bears. Smart move. They didn't take their first one until the fifth round. They didn't have a first-round pick because they moved up to get fields the, the year before. So in the second round, at number 39, there's a, a corner out of Washington. Now, I don't know. He could be the greatest corner in the league. That's I, I, who, I have no idea how good Kyler Gordon's going to be. All right, fine. Coming back at 48. Got to get an O-lineman. Nope. Penn State safety Jaquan Brisker. Okay. Remember, that offensive line is terrible. They're going to get Justin Fields killed. Fine. Round three. Got to go lineman, right? No. Velas Jones? I haven't watched a lot of Bears preseason, but I sure am not hearing Velas Jones' name out of Tennessee. They don't have a fourth-round pick. They used it to move up to get Fields. The fifth round, pick 168, they took a tackle out of Southern Utah named Braxton Jones. Then another tackle in round six and a center and a guard later on in the draft. I, I think the biggest storyline in the entire offseason is the lack of motivation by the Bears to keep Justin Fields upright. And that is a mistake. As much as I don't like the Bears, sitting here rocking a Green Bay Packers hoodie right now, as much as I want the Bears to continue to suck as they have for most of the last 20 years. As much as the Bears are my least favorite team in the National Football League, you have to look at them and say, what are you doing to Justin Fields? ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum says that this Bears offensive line, this garbage offensive line, is going to come back to bite Justin Fields. I think he has no chance. They drafted a lineman in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. They were the worst offensive line in football a year ago. I'm worried if I'm Justin Fields that he's going to turn into David Carr. Mm. If you don't have a good offensive line for a young quarterback, it doesn't matter if you have Equinemia St. Brown, Cole Komet, Darnell <laughs> Mooney. David, it doesn't matter. He's not going to make it through 17 games. Equinemia St. Brown, Cole Komet, and Darnell Mooney. <laughs> I don't I. I I like the very beginning. He has no chance. Like, Justin Fields has no chance of being a good quarterback this year. He'll be average at best because that offensive line is just complete garbage. And I was on a show earlier this week um, with my friends in Kansas City. We were talking Packers, and he said, my friend Carrington asked me, he said, what do you think of the North? And I said, I think Green Bay is going to win 13 games because that's what Green Bay does with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. They win 13 games. I think the Lions hype is wrong. I think that's a six-win team. I think the Vikings will look bad early and we'll figure it out by the time we get past Halloween. New new coach, new system, all that stuff. I think the, the Packers win 13. The Vikings win nine, maybe 10. Don't make the playoffs. Then the Lions. But I think the Bears, they just might be the worst team in the National Football League. And ESPN's Diana Rossini agrees. Had a conversation with the league source yesterday, trying to get a feel of, of how they're seeing the Bears as we you know everyone around the league's watching a lot of tape of preseason and granted it's early. And he shared with me the Chicago Bears are going to be the worst team in football this year, right? <laughs> I mean, it's only August and I, and I know that's probably a bit dramatic, 
But just based on how they look at this point, their offensive line is not good. We know this receiving core, it's, it's, it's not good either. Uh, and I don't want to spend this whole segment just beating up on the Chicago Bears. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for Matt Eberflus. He's run fantastic defenses. But let's, let's just go back to that basic hiring. You have Justin Fields, a quarterback that needs to develop. And the Chicago Bears went with a defensive-minded head coach. And that, I remember doing the show months ago when that hire came down. It was as stupid as the Broncos hiring Vic Fangio a couple of years ago. In 2022, what wins? Young, offensive-minded coaches. Young, offensive-minded coaches win games and win in this league. Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan. Okay, Andy Reid's the exception to the rule. Uh, th- that's what get that you are setting yourself up for success if you have a young, offensive-minded head football coach who can scheme stuff up and use his analytics. And they hired old Matt Eberflus, a defensive guy. When you just spent tons of draft capital to uh, to, to draft Justin Fields, what a terrible decision! Terrible decision that is. Look at the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett. They add Russell Wilson. Smart. Very smart. Brian Dable, young, smart, offensive mind from Buffalo, gets the Giants job. Smart hire. And the the, the Vikings, who we're going to talk about here in a second, they hired Sean McVay's right-hand man on offense. Smart. I think the Vikings are going to be better. And, and I don't think the Vikings are going to be better in September and maybe not till midway through October. I think by November... I think the Vikings are going to be a problem for my Green Bay Packers, but not out of the gate. And the biggest storyline, obviously, is what does this new coach, as opposed to the last guy, what does he do with Kirk Cousins? Here's ESPN's Dan Graziano. Dalvin Cook, can they keep him healthy all year? Can they rely on him to the extent that they have in the past? You know, Justin Jefferson looks like a rocket ship. You know, what Thielen got left, what Cousins got left. There are some people who think that they can be a real threat to the Packers in the division. I'm not sure I'm there yet, but to me, yeah, that's the story of Cousins. Like, he's sort of a good player and a good quarterback, but can he elevate beyond that? And um, can Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams, can he bring some of that sort of Rams magic with him and maybe elevate Cousins beyond where he's been? I, mean, I think their offense will be good. I think it'll be effective. The question is, can it be electrifyingly clutch, right? Like, can it raise its level to the point where it can, you know, you can outduel the Rams or you can outduel Aaron Rodgers in, in a, you know, in a big game, in a playoff game and, and, and get to the Super Bowl? Because I think Cousins... Minnesota career is going to go down as fairly forgettable. I don't think Vikings fans are going to forget the Kirk Cousins era because of how much money it costs to bring Kirk Cousins in. The dude is a master at contracts. It's always three-year deals, three-year extensions on that $84 million deal he signed a couple of years ago, and the guy keeps getting guaranteed money and keeps signing it. They don't have another. They don't have an heir apparent. Kellen Mond sucks or has so far. But I think, and like I said, I think the Vikings are going to struggle out of the gate. I think Green Bay wins that opening week game. But when they play later on in the year, I think Minnesota, much like teams always struggle with new coordinators, it always happens, right? New coaches, new systems, takes four, five, six, seven weeks to figure it out. 
Packers brought in a new defensive coordinator last year in Joe Barry. It took him six weeks. Back end of the year, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Right now, one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think the Vikings are on that same path. I think the Vikings are going to struggle a little bit in the in the beginning. The big question mark, if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, he's one of the top three running backs in football, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy and played a full season in forever. But that marriage between Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins and the ability for that offense to get in sync, that's the biggest storyline going into the year for the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. I got to get to the Cowboys' biggest storyline of the offseason. I got to get to the Chiefs' biggest storyline of the offseason. And I got to get to the Packers' biggest storyline of the offseason as well. We'll do all three of those next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket Two T's. You can fight with other Packers fans on whether or not my statement about Jordan Love is accurate. At Mike Wicket Two T's. Follow us at ESPN DSM. And hello to everybody: Alan and Randall and Scott and Van and Jeremy and Bob and Eric watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. I appreciate that very much. By the way, Kara. Yes, Wicket. What are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm going to go watch some baseball. Okay. iCubs in town, I-Cubs. Principal mm-hmm. Park today. Mm-hmm. You want to be down there? Mm-hmm. You know, my friend Danny Parkins, who works for The Score in Chicago, two days ago threw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field. Wow. I know. I know. I know. So what are you going to do? I'm throwing out the first pitch at Principal Park. Ooh, I am throwing out the first ball tonight along with my morning show partner, Heather Lee, from Laser 103.3. If you're going to the iCubs game tonight... I tried last year. All right. It was Laser Day. It was our 25th anniversary on August 25th. And I, we got to throw the first ball. And you know me, I'm cocky. And I grabbed the ball to give it to me and go out. And like, you can either throw from halfway or the mound. And I'm like, I'm going 60 feet, six inches. I am doing this. Little League dream. 60 feet, six inches is a lot longer than you think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 60 feet, six inches <laughs> is a lot longer than you think it is. And I one hopped it up there. Uh, I got it there on one hop. All right. But I think my, str- like, I was like, I got this, you know, I was 40 at the time. I'm 41 now. I was 40. I'm like, I can fire that thing in. Last time I threw a baseball was five years ago or something. I can do it. I think I need to have a new strategy tonight, and that okay. is not try to throw a strike like in a fastball, like in a straight line. I think my goal is, we. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm still gonna try to because I think you're supposed to aim four feet above the catcher's head because there's the incline oh. or the decline, and and there's also the fact that I'm not a major league pitcher <laughs> or at this point a triple A pitcher, so. I think the plan is aim four feet above the catcher's head, try to throw it straight and hard, by my standards, hard, and then I hope it drops to to the catcher. I hope it elevates enough to where the, the fall gets to the plate. Because if I don't do it tonight, I don't ever want to do this again. Oh. If I can't get the ball <laughs> over the plate tonight, if I can't even get the ball to the catcher, no, don't. I'm just going to... 
because I'm not going to go halfway and I don't want to Mariah carry it. Oh. I don't want to be like 50 Cent and throw the ball like, Bee! no. <laughs> so there's a lot. I'm, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure right now oh. to throw the first pitch over the plate at the iCubs game tonight. So if you are there, say hello. If I'm successful, there will be plenty of video. And if not, then the night never happened. Okay? You can hear every iCubs game on our sister station, Hope 940 AM. Finishing up the biggest storyline going into the preseason and where we're, where we're at now of the National Football League, the Big Five, already did the Bears and the Vikings, the Big Five, the Big Five fan bases here in the Des Moines area. Uh, the Chiefs, who lost to the Packers. No, they beat the Packers last night. Who cares, preseason? Chiefs, who beat the Packers last night. I mean, the biggest storyline the big that happened in the offseason it was Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's when you have one of the five best receivers in football basically say, you're not going to pay me what I want. I want out. And they trade him to the Dolphins for a boatload of picks. That is a major storyline, especially for a team built on offense. And there may not have been a better pass-catch combo outside of Green Bay than Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. I mean, that, that was just great. That had been for so many years. Mahomes to the Cheetah. So he gets dealt, and the question is, what is this offense going to do? Well, I'm not so worried about it. We saw a little bit of Mahomes here in the preseason, not a ton of Mahomes in the preseason. We didn't see any Mahomes last year or last night. Uh, ESPN's Marcus Spears said the offense is going to be just fine. Now Patrick Mahomes surveys the entire 53 and a third of the field. That's the width of a football field. Now he has guys that he feels comfortable with in certain situations. I, and I totally agree. I think wide receiver is the most overrated position in football. And this comes from a guy who is like, trade for DK Metcalf, Green Bay. But I do believe that those that wide receivers are divas. Wide receivers can be replaced. I'd rather have a quarterback who can throw to good wide receivers who will catch the ball than just one guy. And much like I think the Packers offense will be fine without Devontae Adams, maybe not quite as great, but I don't know. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. And as Marcus Spears put, puts it, you know, there's the old meme of Patrick Mahomes falling out of bounds and says, forget it. I'm just going to Tyreek's down there somewhere because more often than not, Tyreek was. Well, he's not going to be down there somewhere down the field anymore. The one thing that I get concerned about when we get into this season is when those crunch time critical plays need to be made. Because that was Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill time. When it comes from separation, when it comes from uh, Patrick Mahomes dancing around in the backfield, knowing that I can hurl this ball as deep as I possibly can and I had a guy that can go get it. Those are the things that I'll be focused on. And that's not going to be the case anymore. And, and for the record, unlike what some people who don't watch Chiefs football will tell you, not everything Tyreek did was over the top. Most of what Tyreek did was actually very much underneath. Was get him going across the middle, and his speed—he just ran away from guys. Don't get me wrong; there were times when it was chuck it deep and hope Tyreek can get under it because he usually can. But a lot of what Tyreek did, most of what Tyreek did, was underneath and between the hash marks because he's so much faster than everybody. He can just take off. Uh, one more from Marcus Spears. Casey's gonna be fine. Patrick Mahomes, this offense, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey still being there with veteran wide receivers, guys that have had a lot of success in this league and played well, you expected them to click, to have an understanding about who they are. Well, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be just fine. I'd have no 
no confidence in Marquez Valdez. Scantling doing a whole heck of a lot. The Dallas Cowboys, we've already talked a lot about Teron Smith. Now, he was not a concern going in or a major concern going in into the uh, the offseason. But they traded away Amari Cooper for a couple of late-round picks, which didn't make a ton of sense to me, but they did. They traded him to Cleveland, and now he's catching passes from Jacoby um, Brissett, I was say Jacoby Ellsbury, Jacoby Brissett, and eventually Deshaun Watson. This is a bigger deal than I think people are making it out to be. I know they've got C.D. Lamb, and I know they want to spread the ball around, but I remember how bad Dak was statistically. Fantasy, fantasy nerds know all about this, too. How bad Dak was until Amari Cooper got there to trade with the Raiders. They ship him out, and now Lamb better be really good in his second year because according to Calvin Williams, who writes for the Dallas Morning News, this Amari Cooper trade, it affects everything in the passing game. When he didn't have Amari Cooper, people would always tease me. I would say, can my starting quarterback get at least 200 yards passing in the NFL game? He had problems doing that. Then when Amari Cooper comes around, boom, everything starts popping for Dak. They don't have Amari Cooper again, but they do have this kid by the name of C.D. Lamb. I'm sure mm. you got to have heard of him. You know, so I think C.D. is going to be elevated. You have. C.D. is going to be elevated to the number one spot. Uh, they got to make sure he doesn't get hurt because if he gets hurt, they might sign one of you two guys to be, uh, <laughs> uh, to be a wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. But the reality is, I think Dak is a much more mature quarterback, and he should be able to elevate some of these young kids if they need him to respond to the challenge. And we'll find out, hopefully, for the Cowboys' sake, they won't lose C.D. Lamb, because if they lose C.D. Lamb, they're in a world of trouble. I think it's pretty interesting that I'm talking about the biggest storylines, and the last two have been about wide receivers leaving their teams. Meanwhile, I'm over here screaming, wide receiver is the biggest diva overrated position in all of sports. But we make it out to be this way. We love fantasy football. You watched Tyreek and and, and Mahomes. You watched uh, Amari Cooper for, for years with Dak Prescott. And then the, the story, the biggest story of the offseason for Green Bay, not Aaron Rodgers doing ayahuasca. All right, not, no, no, no. The biggest story for the Packers was losing Devontae Adams, the best receiver in football, who said, listen, my time here is over. I don't dislike the organization. I don't dislike the quarterback, but I want to go play with my guy. I want to be on the West Coast, and he gets he makes his way to Vegas. Yesterday on the broadcast, if you watched the Chiefs and Packers game, you heard all the praise Aaron Rodgers gave to Devontae Adams. I have so much love and gratitude for that man. The way he made my job so much easier. We obviously miss him. I was watching some of his highlights of the day. You know, he's one of those transcendent players. I think I'm like a Steph Curry. People trying to copy him, but it's just you can't do it because you're not Devontae. So we can try and teach it and help our guys out. But at the end of the day, there's only one Devontae, and we're going to miss him. But we're going to find a way with the guys we got. I love our young group of guys. They're coming together. We will find out. We'll see if the young group of Sam Watkins, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, and the Rooks can get it done. All right, we are out of here. Playing center field as I've talked football for the last hour. <laughs> Uh, thanks for checking out the show today. Really appreciate it. Follow me at Mike Wicket. I'll podcast this later if you want to listen again or if you missed anything. Uh, don't forget tonight, Cubs and Brewers. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. My name is Mike Wicket. This has been Wicket's World on 1021 FM, 1350 ESPN, Des Moines.